I must say I approached this sermon today somewhat with reservations because of the certainty that it is it's on worship. There are thousands of sermons that's been preached on worship, hundreds of books written on worship, and here we come today to talk about worship. But I feel like it's very important that we uh, take a fresh look at worship. And am I going to stand here and preach a sermon in 40 minutes and, and then we walk out and everybody's going to grasp it and we're all going to start worshiping like we should? I, I'm not too sure of that. I do believe this. I do believe I'm laying a foundation. I do believe that probably every one of us here today, there's probably not one person here today that you don't want to enter into that very special place with God and worship the Lord. And I know with me, I know I uh, I struggle sometimes with getting things off my mind. I come into the church and I listen to the music and I look at this and look at that and the other. I'm vain. I'm, I'm really vain. I'm a vain person. I'll confess that. But I, I forgot my black coat this morning and so I started just to go back home. So Carol came to the office and said, just put on the blue. So I got a blue shirt coat on it and a black tie and black pants. It's kind of hard on me. So that's minor. Well, I'm just telling you what will hinder you. It can be the wrong kind of coat. It can be the wrong kind of song. It can be the, you know, the atmosphere is not right. The, the, the church is this, that, and the other. Uh, that person drove wrong. Whatever the devil can do to stop you and I from focusing on God and worshiping Him, he'll do it. So we're going to be determined. Blue coat, black coat, no matter. Somebody said, that would bother me. Well, we're different. What bothers me wouldn't bother you, but what bothers you probably wouldn't bother me. So we're all in the same boat, amen? We're all human. How many of you are human? You think that person next to you, we're all human. And we sometimes have to make sure that we push these things out of our mind and we say, God, I'm here to worship you. Is that okay? Nothing. I'm not going to allow anything to hinder me. I, I really uh, was thinking on this and I, uh, Carol's on Facebook, and there are some good things on Facebook. And we were hearing from one of our friends, Mark Evans, from uh, Douglasville, Georgia, pastor's the church there. His dad is Gene uh, Evans, mom is June Evans. And uh, he was responding on Facebook, and I'm going to read what he said. And then there was an apostle, I believe Moses Chowdhury is, is, is an apostle. He Pastors a church in India, in the southern part of India. In fact, he has a great ministry there in the southern part of India. But here's what Mark says. When there is no anointing, then entertaining is all that's left. When there is no anointing, then entertaining is all that's left. And he uses a scripture, Judges 16, uh, 20. 24, and, and most of us will, will know this story 
some very familiar story where they captured Samson, the Philistines captured Samson, they gouged out his eyes, they put him grinding at the meal, and then there was a day when thousands of Philistines were going to get together, and they were going to celebrate, and they were going to be entertained. And one of the things that entertained them was Samson. And Samson had lost the anointing. Of course, he had given the secret away of his cutting his hair, and his hair was cut, and he lost the anointing. He lost the power that he had. He was no longer strong. He no longer had the energy that he had. And that's where he gets this wrong and makes this statement. When there is no anointing, then entertaining is all that's left. And I don't know, and, and sometimes I think we could or I could be guilty of this. I think in a lot of churches, there's no anointing. And entertainment is all that's left. And that's what people go to church for. And the greater the entertainment, the larger the crowd. Let me say that again. The greater the entertainment. If you can roll out a lot of entertainment, and there's nothing wrong with some entertainment. Listen to me. There's nothing wrong with some entertainment. But that is not the focus of going to church. And that's not the reason we go to church is to be entertained. When we're talking about worship, I, worship is not to make me feel good. If we go and feel good and we worship, then we say, hey, what a great service. And that's okay. But worship is not necessarily to make us feel good. Well, Moses responded to Mark Evans, and here's what he says. He said, you're absolutely right. People used to self-soul-search and repent in God's presence. But we don't see it as much anymore. No wonder church growth in the Western churches is mostly by transfer from one to another church. And you and I know that's true. We know that the mega church has drawn in. We, uh, I, I know of a, mega, a pastor that went into Dallas. This happened years ago. He went into Dallas and, uh, and he started a church. And uh, it, it probably, and, and I can mention his name because he didn't, I don't guess he, he went there, TDJH went there and he, he started a church. He, he started in West Virginia and then he goes to Dallas and he opens a church and he empties a lot of those churches there in Dallas. So a lot of church growth is simply out of people leaving one church. In fact, Moses goes on to say this. People get upset with the pastor. People. People get upset with pastors and churches over petty things and move to other churches. Loyalty and commitment are missing in the churches. Such church hoppers love entertainment. It is grieving the Holy Spirit, isn't it? Pray God, Moses said, it, it would intervene in people hunger for the real God thing. So we, we find that to be true. But the purpose of going to church is to worship God. Not because uh, of the entertainment or not because the music is great and we like all of that. And I think it's all good. But it's important that we focus on worshiping the Lord. Now, we all have a different opinion of what worship is and how we should, if we worship, get there, the vehicle that gets us there. 
And unless we, unless we worship as we should, in fact, I have here several uh, reasons why we worship, and uh, and one of the, them is a it is a pathway to God's presence. Worship is a pathway to God's presence. If we're not careful, now most of us house have cell phones. How do you charge up your cell phone? You put it, you take it into the kitchen or whatever where there's a plug, and you you sit it on something and you or, or plug it in, and and it charges. It sits there and it charges. Well, going to church without worshiping as we should and ushering ourselves into the very presence of God is like taking your cell phone to the countertop, putting it on the, the instrument, but not plugging it in. We go to church. It looks good. We all, you know, wow, this is great. But a lot of times we don't get plugged in. And our energy is not there. And we wonder why we have such a time or battle or struggle serving the Lord. It's because we, as, as people, We've got to be charged, charged up. And we're charged when we worship God and we honor Him and, and we plug into His presence, His manifested presence. Now, His presence is always here. All of us know that. His presence is always here. But we want, we desire, we pray for His divine manifested presence. That's what we want. That's, that's what we must have. And uh, let, let me read some scripture, if you will. First of all, and, uh, you can read the introduction yourself. But first of all, let me read John chapter 4, verses 20 through 24. Our fathers, and this is a conversation that uh, between the woman of Samaria and Jesus Christ. And here is part of that conversation. She says, our fathers worshiped on this mountain. And you Jews, speaking of Jesus and the Jewish people, say that in Jerusalem is a place where one ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship because the Jewish people worship Jehovah, the one and true God, we know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour, and I love this, let, let, let's listen real good, read it real good. But the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is what? He's seeking such to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and and truth. Powerful. I mean, if there ever was a great text on worship, that's it. And you could just sit down and study that and, and, and just glean and glean from it and learn a lot about true worship. Now, let's turn over to Exodus, if you will, chapter 30 and read verses 34 through 38. And the Lord said to Moses, Take sweet spices. Sakti and Onica and Galbanum and pure frankincense with these sweet spices. 
There shall be equal, notice what it says, there shall be equal amounts of each. You shall make of these an incense, a compound, according to the art of a perfumer, salted, pure, and holy. And you shall beat some of its very fine, and put some, uh, beat some of it very fine, and put some of it before the testimony in the tabernacle of meeting, where I will meet with you. It shall be most holy to you. But as for the incense which you shall make, you shall not make any for yourselves. God said, don't use it for personal use. You shall not make any for yourselves according to its composition. Now, they could use these spices, but they could not take these four spices and mix them together. That was totally forbidden. They could not do that because notice what he says. It shall be holy for the Lord. Whoever makes any like it to smell it, he shall be cut off from his people. Four ingredients when it comes to worship. Very important. Again, it was a mixture of these four spices that they were to put together, mix them together, put them in the holy place on the, uh, the, uh, where God would come and meet with them, and it would be a good smelling fragrance before God. You see, when we worship as we should, true worship, it's a pleasant smell or a pleasant odor before the Lord. That's the purpose of it, is that we honor Him, that we love Him, and that we give Him honor and glory. Now notice these four, if you will, spices. First of all, worship should be spontaneous. It's okay. Now I believe in everything being done decently and in order. But there are times that we need some spontaneity in our worship. Amen. Glory, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. One over here can say, thank you, Jesus. One. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Bless the Lord. And they begin to worship God and begin to praise God. There's that spontaneity that is so important. Sakti is a gum resin that oozes spontaneously from the bark of the storax tree. As we spend time before God in prayer and meditation, our hearts, our hearts will ooze. I love that. With gratitude and worship. How long has it been since your heart oozed? Spontaneously. Wow! And there's the awe and the wonder before the presence of the Lord. First of all, there was the spontaneity, and it was described by using stacting. Second of all, it needs to come from the heart. Onica. Onica is a substance obtained from closing flaps of a certain deep sea mollusk. True worship must engage the heart. It don't work. Unless it comes from here. It must come from the heart. Isaiah 29, 13, the Amplified says it this way. And the Lord said, For as much as this people draw near me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but remove their hearts and minds far from me. Now I'm sure nobody else in here is guilty of what I'm fixing to say, but I am. There are times I'm singing and lifting my hands in my mind somewhere else. In fact, I got a feeling that while I'm preaching, many of you mind 
It's somewhere else. <laughs> Grab a hold of it. Discipline yourself. Let's say, hey, wait a minute. I'm not going to allow this to happen because this is fruitful, because this is life-giving, the Word of God. And the devil will make any excuse to do everything he can to keep us from grasping the truth of the Lord. So if you see your neighbor nodding next to you, sort of, you know, not touch him a little bit and wake him up. I've already seen some nodding. <laughs> I'm going to read it again. And the Lord said, For as much as this people draw near me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but remove their hearts and minds far from me, and their fear and reverence for me are a commandment of men that is learned by repetition without any thoughts as to the meaning. Let's raise our hands and praise the Lord. Let's sing. Let's stand. We, we all can do it. It's reputation. We know what to do. But our hearts are not care. In fact, it's a pressure. That's the Old Testament. Well, you can get the very same thing in Matthew. I'm not going to read it. Chapter 15, verses 8 and 9. The very same thing. We need to honor the Lord with our hearts. Amen. 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 Right here, the depths of our heart, deeper than us, we need to honor the Lord. So first of all, our worship should be spontaneous. Second of all, it should come from the heart. And then our worship should, should be open. Now, that's the galbanum. Galbanum was obtained from a certain plant by cutting that plant open so that the resin uh, could run out and be collected. An open and unveiled face speaks of a whole-hearted, unhindered, and honest communion before the Lord. Second Corinthians, if you will, chapter 3, verse 18. And I'll read again from the Amplified. And all of us, as with unveiled face, because we continue to behold in the word of God as a mirror the glory of the Lord, as constantly being transfigured into his very own image. I love this verse. In every increasing splendor and from one degree of glory to another, from this comes the Lord who is the Spirit. Isn't that a powerful verse? As we worship the Lord, as we come before Him. I list here several things about children. You know, the, the, the Bible speaks of, of children worshiping the Lord. And in fact, in Psalms 82, it says, Out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you have ordained strength. You want spiritual strength? You find yourself dragging during the week? You find yourself barely connected? You find yourself discouraged and pulled down and the devil just hammers you down. You want spiritual strength? Worship God. That's what he's saying. Worship the Lord. And children and worship, children worship, they worship enthusiastically. They worship openly. They worship without pride. They worship free of malice and with abandonment. Ask yourself, how long has it been since I've worshipped like that? How long has it been? Say, well, but John, we don't want any wildfire. But someone said there's always enough wet blankets to put out the fire. Again, I want things done decently in order, but sometimes we need to be spontaneous, 
Sometimes we need to abandon ourselves and, and worship God like, I mean, wow. Children are quick to forgive, strive to please, look right into the face of God and say, I love you. That's what I want you to do today. Sometime today, today here in the service, or sometime today, look right, move everything else away, turn the TV off, cut off the cell phone, you know, just look right in the face of God and say, I love you. I love you. Brokenness. That open face. Not nothing to hide. Then a, number four, worship proceeds from brokenness. Frankincense is another resident taken from a tree. This ground sparkling powder produced an aromatic gum. They crushed it up, crushed it up. Brokenness. I love these two verses. It, if, if, if you don't hear anything else, I say, listen to these two verses. Both of them are amplified. The Lord is close to those who are of a broken heart and saved such as are crushed with sorrow for sin and humbly and thoroughly penitent. You've heard me say over the years that 30 years ago, 25 years ago, some years ago, we had church Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night, and you were there. I know it's different today, and I understand that. I understand the difference. But many times on Sunday night, sometimes on Sunday morning, and sometimes on Wednesday night, but this would happen mostly on Sunday evening. There would be such a move of God until people, all the whole congregation, would start weeping before God. And then all of a sudden, without any prompting, you would see someone get up from this side and go over on this side, throw their arms around their brother or their sister, weep, tears running down their face, and say, you know what? I've said some things about you. I've thought some ways about you. I want to ask you to forgive me. All right. Now, before the service is over, I might just have us all stand and go do that. <laughs> no, I'm not. But what would happen? What would happen if we look at some brother or sister out of the corner of our eyes, and we say, you know, under our breath, and we, we've got all these feelings towards each other? Now listen, this is a great church. There's no big split in this church. There's no big disunity in this church. But we all don't see eye to eye. and told him, Thou art the man. Here's one of the verses in that 51st chapter. My sacrifice, the sacrifice acceptable to God is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, broken down with sorrow for sin, and humbly and thoroughly penitent. Such, O oh God, you will not despise. How long has it been since God got a hold in your heart, squeezed it so hard that water came out your eyes? Oh, my God. Listen, I don't cry. We don't have to cry. We don't have to 
Is this okay? I mean, it, it leads into a very important part of our lives, which is worship. Worship should be spontaneous. Worship should come from the heart. Worship certainly should be open. And certainly worship proceeds from brokenness. When we all come before God and weep before God, and, and, and it would be great if just husbands and wives would cry on each other's children. Now I'm getting personal. <laughs> you, ever, you ever have to ask your wife or your husband to forgive you? I'm always happy to do it. Yeah. She don't have yeah. to ask me much. She don't, she's too perfect. <laughs> I'm always crawling back to her. She never crawls to me. You don't have to. I'm not saying she's perfect. God knows she's not. She'll ask me to forgive her, but I tell you. Wouldn't it be great if we all just would come together and say, Oh, God! Oh, Lord! Brokenness. Notice, notice Roman numeral number, four, number five. Roman numeral number five. It, the personal aspect of worship. And we just read this until you'll hear it from Exodus. Uh, the instructions given here speak to the personal nature of our worship. Now this is where we where we read. There are two ways, important, there are two ways which we must approach God. First of all, the incense in verse 35 says it must be pure and holy. We're not going to live our life during the week say things you shouldn't say, maybe even use words that's contrary to the scripture, have an attitude that's a mile long, watch things that we shouldn't watch, and prince in here would sit in our life and expect, oh, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. It's not going to happen. We've got to repent. We need to repent. I see, you say, well, Pastor, I'm a Christian. Christians need to repent. I mean, when I say repent, I mean be godly sorry. Ask God, Lord, I, man, I blew it. I'm sorry. Read before God. Call out to God. Oh, God. We need to be holy. And the way that God accepts our praise and our worship and it's pleasing to Him, if we come to Him with a holy vessel. Now, I know that's not politically correct preaching, but we need it. First of all, we need to be holy. Second of all, we need to be humble. You know, I'm a humble person. In fact, I'm thinking about writing a book about it. My humility and how I've obtained it. No, we don't write books about our humility. We don't brag about our humility, but we need to be humble. This was to be beaten very, it was to be crushed. Beaten. Be crushed with very small particles, broken, beaten, humble. This speaks of humility. This must be, there must be no pride or pretense in our heart. We must be broken, humble, holy before God. If our worship is going to be pleasing before Him, it must be. I'm going to end this quickly. Why worship? Let me give you some reasons today why we worship. Number one, it's a command. 
chapter 95, verse 6 of Psalms. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our God. Ah, the preacher, what do you preach? Oh, he got almost a little cake of worship this morning. Pass me another chicken leg. Oh, what the, listen, I preach it because it's God's word. Because you're commanded. It's a command. Number two, it's a pathway to God's presence. Now, understand. There is the omnipresence of God. You're always, we're always in the presence of God. You can't go anywhere. There's not the presence of God. Then there is the abiding presence of God. When we become a Christian, when we accept Jesus Christ, the presence, the Spirit of God comes on the inside of us, and He's there, and He never leaves. No matter how you feel, no matter God's presence is always there. Then the third, there is the manifested presence. And this is what I'm talking about. It is the pathway to God's presence. Look at, listen at Psalms say, but you are holy, enthroned in the praises of Israel. You live, the word of God says, God lives in the praises of his people. When we worship God, it enthrones God, and He lives, and His presence is manifested. Woo! Mm, love that. Let me, let me just give you a great, and I'm reading from 2 Chronicles, great illustration of that. 2 Chronicles 5, 13, 14. Indeed, it came to pass when the trumpeters and the singers were as one, when the trumpeters and the singers were as one, when the Musicians were as one, and I'm going to stand on that because ours is not. I, I'm going to tell you, I, I went, I, well, I'm going to get on something else. We've got great musicians and singers. I would go, go, go down something. As one, to make one sound to be heard in praise and thank of the Lord, and when they lift up their voice with the trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music and praise the Lord, saying, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever, that the house, the house of the Lord, that the house, that the house of the Lord, I love this, was filled with a cloud so that the priests could not continue ministry because of the cloud for the glory. Oh, for the glory. When they all became one. When they started playing the music and they started singing. And they started worshiping the Lord. And the presence of the Lord in it. For the glory of the Lord filled the house. That's my desire for this church. That the glory of the Lord would fill this place and fill our hearts. So first of all, we worship because it's a command. Second of all, we worship because it is certainly a pathway to God's presence. And thirdly, it creates an environment for healing and transformation. <laughs> Come play for me, Sister Judy. We'll sing a song. And I'm not quite finished, but listen. It's a command of the Lord that we worship. It's a pathway to the very presence of the 
How many times when you purposefully, premeditating, all of these spontaneous, coming from the heart, openness, brokenness? How many others? We begin to worship them. And it creates an environment of healing. Paul Roberts. Paul Roberts, whatever people think about him, was a great man of God. Yes. He pastored a church here in North Carolina. He pastored a church in Chiquay Marina. I had the privilege, we had the privilege of being in somebody's tent meetings. Yes. In fact, the first tent that Oral Roberts ever put up was right here at the room on Andrew Avenue. But as a 9, 10, 11 year old boy, I walked under that large tent. Had, he had one large tent, then he had another tent, and it was not small itself beside of it. That's where the people on crutches, wheelchairs, terminal illness sat or were. It was in the smaller tent. Probably a few people that ever preached like the poor office preached. One of the greatest sermons ever preached in the Bible, I promise the word of God, by any preacher. Of course, we know the great sermons, sentence in the hands of an angry God. But one of the greatest sermons ever preached was preached by Paul Roberts. It was, it was called The Third Man. And of course, he used the text where the three Hebrew men were in the fire furnace. Oh, I'm sorry, not the man. The fourth man. Jesus they saw the Lord in that furnace. But he'd preach and they would sing had jet black hair and had the old sure, big old sure mic out front. He'd sit at that mic and they would come by him. Well, they would sing. Here's one of their favorite songs. Where the healing waters flow Where the joy celestial Oh, there's peace and rest and love where the healing waters flow. With the choir and, and, and that congregation would sing, and there was such an anointing in that, under that tent that he would sit at that big old sure mic and he'd lay his hands on, I don't know how he did it, he would sit down and he would lay his hands on hundreds they would roll up in wheelchairs. And this is no fake stuff. This is no pulling them, jerking them out of the wheelchair and make them walk two steps and sit back down and say you're healed. People got up out of those wheelchair chairs as well. Yes, they literally had piles. No fake, no, no pretext, no put on. Piles of crutches on the platform. People literally ran to the 
the altar and the platform was filled with tobacco. And these ladies have had these burnout sex. 
for lap signs. We'll be worried about whether it's black or white, or black or It's a command. It's a pathway to the presence of God. It creates an environment for healing and transformation. And it is a powerful source of strength. We stay in church till 11 or 12 o'clock at night. Child looking right in the face of God and saying, God, I love you. 